Hey you guys, it's your boy Eli here, and I'm happy to announce that we'll be part of Comic Palooza's podcast partnership program. And we will be there live in front of all of you guys, everyone who's be attending Comic Palooza on May 26th and 28th. We will be doing a uh, live podcast episode in front of everyone and hope to see you all there. Uh, we will be doing some cool stuff there, and I hope to see you guys there. Hopefully a meet up with those. Anyways, guys, hope to see you guys there. Anyways, peace. And welcome back to the Centurions, guys. It's me, Boy Life. It's me, Joe. And we're here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the long-awaited final movie of this trilogy. Yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, the long-awaited uh, final act for the Guardians, uh, at least in you know this whole trilogy, especially with... Uh, James Gunn behind the helm, which I mean, to be fair, I don't think we're, I don't think we're gonna get another Guardians movie without James Gunn. He he is very much integral to that situation to this to these films, and like making sure they're of of the quality that they are. Yeah, because uh, not to get too deep into it right now, but this movie was I'm gonna say fantastic, like. It is a really good movie. I think it, it works from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that probably a lot of people who aren't as into like the Marvel stuff as we've been mm-hmm. would probably be like, okay, this is like the first, like you know, like it's the best movie since Endgame. Probably there's probably gonna be some people like that. Which I mean, I would argue like. You know, uh, No Way Home, all that stuff. But, yeah, this is going to be, like... I know there's been, like, talks of, like, is there Marvel fatigue, blah, blah, blah. It's like, are, are, can Marvel can make, a, like, a deep, good movie anymore? It's like, no, this is... this is You know, I feel like this movie will prove a lot of people, like, nope, there's still Marvel magic. And I feel like this movie also prove people who have, you know, hesitance towards James Gunn as he goes into making DC films feel a little more confident. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, definitely. Um... If if this whole trilogy has proven anything is that uh, I think the DC the new DC universe is uh, in good hands, you know. Um, but yeah, like I got I, mean, I gotta say this movie, you know, like I think a lot of people would probably have high expectations for Guardians Two because, uh, you know, like much like uh, any of these uh, trilogies, you know, that we've had, like it's always kind of hard to like stick the third one. Mm-hmm. Like the, the like the third movie in a trilogy is always the kind of the hardest one to do. Yeah. But here I think no, they they executed perfectly. Honestly, like it's just really great, all like all around. You know, I don't like we'll get more into the you know the review and our our, our basic thoughts on it. But it, yeah, I, I can't really stress this enough. It's a good movie. Uh, go watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you there. There's there's a lot of things that make this movie not only one of the better Marvel movies, but also just really good as to like what you can do with these, you know, projects with these uh, these like I guess at this point superhero movies, you know, a lot of, because you like you were saying a lot of them feel like it's very stagnant. No, they can be realized. You just need like the right people. And it feels like most of the movies that we've been getting right now that they aren't terrible, but they're just missing that you know that that thing. I can't say what it is, 
because I feel like every you know every every one of the Marvel movies kind of needs its own thing, right? Like with with this one, you know, James Gunn is very much needed for these movies because he it's, it's his voice, it's his ideas. He knows what to do with these characters. There's no one else you can trust with these characters, right? So, uh, again, like I feel like these movies just need their right guy. Mm-hmm. Well, not guy, but like more like they need their right. They need a voice, right? They need a voice, right? And for some people, it's like, well, I mean, like all the more movies are the same. They're all like you know done by committee and stuff. I disagree with that mostly because I feel like if that was the case. It would feel more by the numbers, and it doesn't feel like robotic, right? Yeah, because I feel like when you think about like a movie that's done by the numbers, I feel like that's like I would argue something like the like when the new Transformer movies came out. Like I'm talking about like Transformers four and five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those felt a bit more by committee and stuff because there was definitely like some things. When you look into it, it's like, why is that there? What What's the purpose of this? Like, uh, the whole fact is there's a whole subplot where they have to go to China. Um, which, in case you don't know, back in, like, the day, you know, early, like, the mid-2010s, you know, Hollywood started to see the Chinese uh, market. market as, like, a huge market. Because, hey, that's a billion people. They watch a lot of movies. You know, like, we need to tap into that Chinese market, get all that money, and... For uh, Paramount and making the the Transformers movies, like Michael Bay, you know, they were like, "Yeah, let's straight up have a side plot where they go to China. There's a have a prominent character who's Chinese, have like a literal frame, like a, like five seconds of like uh, Stanley Tucci just drinking a milk bottle that's from a Chinese like <laughs> like uh, product, like just sipping it down and stuff, like." Man, that's product placement, like, overt product placement stuff. Heck, Marvel even kind of did it with more, uh, Iron Man 3. Uh, there's, like, a deleted scene for the Chinese version of the movie where uh, the people working on Tony Stark's heart are, like, very well-known Chinese actors. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so weird. You know, so very, very weird. You know, like I don't even know they still do that nowadays. I don't think they do because it's very. I'm guessing like the returns were just not worth it. In mm. the end, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, but yeah, no, it's it the, I like I said, this one feels very much like something James Gunn would do. It also feels very much in line with some of his recent work works too, where like uh, Peacemaker and um, the Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad also uh, continuing off of. Uh, a very uh, Guardian special. <laughs> was it the Christmas special? The Christmas special, yeah. Yeah, so very much up to that uh, actually falls afterwards. Um, but yeah, uh, let's uh, let's give our, our thoughts on it. I'll let you go first, dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, yeah, just tell us what you think of this uh, movie. Alright, so Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I think, is probably James Gunn's like magnum opus for his contributions with the Marvel Universe. Uh, he adds, it, it, like, it's a very, you know, it's very James Gunnish. Uh, you, you, you have a lot of the characters have their own, like, arcs. And, like, I think, really, they have, like, a chance to, like, spotlight themselves. Like, unlike in previous movies, I feel. Like, everyone has, like, a moment where it's like, oh, yeah, this is why I'm on the team, basically. Uh, it's very emotional. 
uh, our villain, the High Evolutionary, is a great villain. Probably like one of the best Marvel uh, Marvel movie villains in a while. Oh, you know the story's emotional. It's gripping. It's full of action, full of fun and comedy. It's like I think the perfect blend of what Marvel uh, likes to do with their movies, and it's very executed perfectly in all facets of you know its production. Yeah, no, I I ho- I totally agree. Um, I'm gonna get my thoughts on it right now, actually. So James Gunn's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is not only a fitting end to his time with Marvel, but also a fitting end to the Guardians in ways that feel right. Uh, not saying people die or not saying people don't die, but considering how you know where our characters start off as and where they end up on. It feels very conclusionary. The High Evolutionary is a very, very good villain. Uh, His motivations are made clear and its understanding as to why he is the way he is. is also very much a... All very dark story. And and, in a way where it's like... Not beating you over the head with kind of dark. It's very, you know, dark but also has these very light moments. Very, you know, hopeful moments. It's very centered, much centered around like these people coming together and dealing with their traumas, their issues, and their from their pasts. But yeah, no, that's that's, that's basically um, Gardens of the Galaxy Volume Three. It's like I said, it's a culmination of um, what James Gunn has been working with with the Guardians, and I kind of want to go off what you were saying. It's very much like the best of what Marvel is known for. Mm-hmm. And I I want I want to pick your brain on this. Like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, I feel like sort of the like what makes Marvel movies work. I feel like a lot of the times is like I think people like to believe that like what makes Marvel movies work is just like a bit of like smarky meta humor sometimes and like bim bump like big action, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. I feel like the Marvel movies have always been like good because they sort of like create at least while probably not like deep characters like very um relatable or relatable characters or like fun characters just follow right Mm. like tony stark captain america steve rogers you know thor like they're all fun characters to follow through and i think what the guardians movies now looking at the whole trilogy perspective have done is basically um, create like characters that you can they all have like different personalities but they're all very like relatable and have like interesting motivations and you know they all have like a very shared thing uh, like a very shared like interest or rather uh like, they have this found family, like, dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, more so than, I would say, the Avengers themselves. Because, I mean, I feel like with the Avengers, it's always been, like... At least the whole idea is, like, oh, yeah, we must form a team together because, you know, like, each of us cares about one another, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Here at the Guardians, it's like, oh, yeah, every one of us has, like, had to deal with some, you know, messed up stuff. Obviously, Peter loses his mom. Uh... Gamora, Nebula's relationship with, with Thanos. Yeah, with Thanos. Drax loses his family. I mean, granted, Groot's probably the only one that doesn't really have that much story, but he's, you know, a talking tree that just says three words all the time. 
but he's very much a core like center part of that group rocket i mean if you haven't really noticed from the trailers like is we pretty much learned his origins in this movie and we sort of get and understand why he's always been a bit more uh aloof not aloof but like does his best to try to distance himself and try to be not as like emotionally invested with the rest of the group mm-hmm. which has always been kind of a thing within like the other movies right because he's always been like a snarky one's like in the first movie he's like oh great look at us we're all just standing around like idiots you're happy now kind of thing and yeah. then guardians 2 where he's like you know mourning the loss of yondu and all that stuff and here we see sort of the culmination like okay now we kind of understand why rocket is a very mm-hmm. like he, he 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 likes being with the guardians but he also you know does not want to lose that sort of thing i mean obviously the events of uh, infinity warring endgame help facilitate that as well where it's like oh shit i've lost you know everybody basically which is kind of neat because there are moments where it's like oh him and nebula have a close relationship and that's because you know after the events of infinity war nebula was like the only person he had left from the guardians so obviously they formed a bit more of a bond over those past couple of years but yeah um i think that sort of like highlights you know, like, gun pushing that sort of idea a bit deeper, as well as, like, I mean, obviously the action is still pretty great mm-hmm. in this movie. I mean, hell, there's a... I wouldn't say it's on the level of, like, say, the Daredevil hallway fight scene, but there is, like, a like a fight scene through a hallway in this Yeah, that's pretty epic. All yeah, there is. it was pretty good. Um, and the comedy, uh, that, you know, James Gunn's comedy, I think, works well within how Marvel, used, you know, likes to do it. And mm. in this movie, yeah, it works very well. Like, it never feels like... Because I know, like, a lot of people's issues with Marvel, like, moral sense of humor sometimes is always just, like, it kind of, like... It's it's overbearing. It's too much. Like, yeah, it, it can be argued to be, you know, it, ha- it happens a bit too much or it's, like, in situations that, you know, doesn't really make sense. Here... With James Gunn, it's always been like he—he's known how to like balance it well, and, and in this movie, especially so because there are some dark uh, moments in this movie, like not like in terms of like uh, what happens, but more of like thematically, thematically the implications of things, and like you know the idea of what this could this means for certain characters right because mm-hmm. there, there's moments where I'm, I'm sitting there i'm like oh i know this is going i don't like where this is going mm-hmm. and when it happens i'm like oh shit and i knew it was coming a bit still damn that's pretty fucked yeah and you know he's able to balance the, that um mm-hmm. comedy i mean um i'm pretty sure there was a uh clip that came out uh obviously the one where they're in their spacesuits yeah like i think that's sort of like a nice way of balancing it because obviously him and gamora are having this little heart to heart like thing and then it's like you guys realize you know this is an open channel right we've been hearing everything you've been saying <laughs> yeah no that was that was really good that was uh yeah there's a lot of like those fun like comedic moments but there's also like oh wow you know like mm-hmm. this is some you know this is emotional time right like james gunn knows when to like put when stuff needs to be emotional and when stuff needs to be comedic i mean just look what he did with the the suicide squad movie like same thing right like that movie has a lot of like uh you know fun humor right 
But when shit needs to be mm. serious and we need to have like big emotional payoff stuff, you know, he puts it there and he doesn't let the comedy, you know, like overshadow it. He, he lets things breathe. And I think that's sort of like uh, something that I feel like hopefully uh, Kevin Feige and like all the other people working on the newest Marvel s- stuff take from James Gunn's like uh, tenure here in, in Marvel, mm. you know? Uh, just like, hey, we need to let stuff breathe a bit. We can't just be like doing this and this and that all the time. Granted, that doesn't happen with all movies. I mean, Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, another good movie, I think also balances out its sort of mm-hmm. like tones very well. Yeah, there isn't that many funny like scenes in Black Panther uh, and Wakanda Forever. They're still, they're still there, but like it never really you know takes away from like a lot of the... the it never overshadows a serious moment, right? No, it never overshadows a serious moment. Like, a, like every, it's every once in a while, and it, can, it comes from a character you already knew was going to be the one to make you the jokes, and, like, it feels natural for that character. Mm-hmm. So it never really bothered me. But, yeah, no, I like I like what you're saying right there. It's, it's I, I hope, and maybe we don't know the future. I mean, uh, apparently they are, like, you know, delaying some movies to, uh, to make sure that they at least you know stay in the oven a little bit longer you know after after the reception of like i think it was a you know quantum mania and a lot of stuff going on with that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh i think it, it makes sense as to why they're, they want to like hold off before anything else and you know try to make sure that at least these you know these movies come out um being you know better of better quality mm-hmm because I think they they all know that it's they, they it's not has been the the best, but it's clearly you know we we can fix things, we we have time we don't we gotta let things breathe, you know they cutting the Marvel Marvel themselves are cutting back on some stuff, because it used to be like we we would get like a bunch of shows, and movies, and like stuff, but you know, it, there there was a period and I think we all agreed that they were they were just kind of rushing a lot. Yeah, because, I mean, at the most, um, you know, before Endgame stuff, like, mm-hmm. we would have, like, maybe, what, three Marvel movies a year. I mean, we still kind of do, like, nowadays, but it, we also got, like, Disney Plus shows. Granted, not all of them, but there was definitely a moment, I think, last year, mm-hmm. right, where we had, like, three different Marvel uh, TV shows, and as well as, like, the three movies coming out as well, mm-hmm. like, like a lot of Marvel stuff, and I, and I hesitate to say Marvel fatigue is a, is setting in or whatever, because that's always like a weird like term to use, like or superhero fatigue in general, because like I feel like a lot of people like to say that, but then like when you look at the history of like superhero movies, it's always been kind of an up and down thing. Never like, it's not like say like the Western genre back in the day where it was everywhere and like eventually it just sort of like vanished to where like no one really makes western movies anymore and they're kind of an and when it does happen like it's either like it's just interesting to see but it's never mm-hmm. like super big right yeah um but with more with like superhero movies it's like you know a lot of people were like oh you know after batman and, and robin that's it the superhero movie is dead or whatever but it's like no like like what? Like a year or two later, Blade comes out, mm-hmm. and then you get like uh, X Men and Spider Man, and then suddenly superhero movies are back on the map, and then it's like 
you know then the marvel 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 movies come in with yeah, the, the, the dar- freaking dark knight shows up and it's like this is the peak of superhero movies it can't get better than this this is uh, you know we can't go farther and it's like well iron man shows up literally the same year starts off the mcu and now we're like in this period of you know cinematic universes started by marvel and stuff you know like yeah and i think you're also right in that in that case because like we we all thought you know super superhero movies uh the fatigue is coming in and i think they're trying to specify marvel nowadays because um recently we had you know the batman which is you know another superhero movie they don't you know or a comic however you want to phrase it really uh-huh and then there's also the Suicide Club made by the same guy who made about the movie we're talking about right now. Uh-huh. So it's it's I don't I don't agree with the idea of like a fatigue. I think you're right that it, it's more of an up and down slope. It's, yeah, yeah, it's like just sort of like it kind of up and down thing, mm-hmm. right? Like I know that like you could argue because yeah, I mean it's like I think the only Western movie I've heard that's coming out is like. Um, that new one that's being made by the people that made Black Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, we just saw that trailer. Um, the All Out Johnny Black. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, no, that, I remember the, uh, seeing that and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see that. Yeah, so, like, I mean, like, not to, like, again, not to say that Western movies aren't a thing anymore. They are. It's just, you know, I don't think we'll ever see something like that happen to the superhero movies simply because I feel like superhero movies have kind of found that sort of niche where, like, you can kind of... I mean, heck, the fact that we've had, like, three different Spider-Men and mm. multiple different Batmans kind of just shows that they're that these stories are... I wouldn't say recyclable, but they can be told in various different ways. And I think that, that idea of... That malleability of being able to tell these these stories in different ways is sort of, I think, what keeps the genre going. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, get, I guess back, get back to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, the villain, the High Evolutionary, really great. Awesome oh villain. yeah, no, um, it's. I remember hearing everyone saying like this is one of the best villains that uh, Marvel's come out with, and I would wholeheartedly agree. It's also a very different villain than we had, right? And it's uh, not just your, like, cartoonishly evil uh, villain, like, say, um, Ronan the Accuser, Malekith from uh, the second Thor movie. It This this character is very much, like, kind of, I wouldn't, yeah, no, I would say heartless. Like, like he, uh, but, but his motivations also make sense. He is not a sympathetic villain, though. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that's the one thing that um, Marvel has, like, kind of got down a bit with some of these villains, right? Well, we, they're, yeah, they're, like, they're sympathetic and we understand their motivations. Like, I would say Gore, the, you know, the God Butcher is kind of one of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of get his deal. Um, Even if he's not in it as much as you wanted him, want him to be? Yeah, like, Thanos, like, you know, like, part of the reasons, like, you kind of get... I mean, I wouldn't say Thanos is sympathetic, but you understand, like, yeah. where he's coming from. You feel a tad sympathetic considering what he has to give up to get, you know, to, to, to achieve that goal. I mean, I kind of, I guess. But, if, you know, what I was going to say is that it, at the same time, you also know that he is not, does not deserve too much of that sympathy because of, like, one, he is willing to go that far. 
Yeah, like, I guess a good example of, like, a sympathetic villain, uh, at least off the top of my head, I'm probably not, not, not Marvel-related, mm-hmm. but, like, oh, gosh, what was that movie? Um, Describe it. No, um, no, I think in, uh, what was it, uh, it's it's a Disney movie, freaking uh, the, the, the one that came out uh, last year, right? The Encanto, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you would argue, uh, I think the grandma's like, I wouldn't say she was the villain, but she's like the antagonist, but she's a very sympathetic one. Yeah, kind of thing. Like that's sort of what we mean, like where like they have understandable motivations and they're sort of an obstacle for the the protagonist. Uh, the High Evolutionary, I think, is one of those villains. Is more like they see themselves as the protagonist mm. of the story, right? Like, they see themselves as the good guy, you know? Which, I mean, we don't really get that a lot from Marvel movies. I mean, freaking Kang is definitely more in line of, like, I'm just, you know... Uh, he has that Thanos energy, I would say. Yeah. Um, he's not like a Loki, you know, who's, you know, uh, evil. Not for the sake of evil, right? But yeah. He just has fun doing it. And then eventually he becomes his own, you know, character. Yeah, because Loki's, uh, you know, his whole shtick is, and heck, we see it in like the, in all the movies and in his show, you know, he was he still he was a villain, you know, he had his fun and you know, he grew better, you mm. know, huh? Uh, but yeah, I think the High Evolutionary, he just has that sort of like, I think it's his it's his obsession, right? Because with this whole goal yes. of trying to make like a perfect society and a perfect being, yes. and it's interesting how they were able to incorporate, um his you know comic origin and sort of build onto it is into more of a sinister thing because like in the comics the high revolutionary isn't that big of a deal like he's a villain you know, don't get me wrong but it's also like eh, the high revolutionary who, who cares right it's like it's not, it's not a top tier villain right uh and you know james gunn is able to you know pull things and make uh it more of an interesting villain they really go hard on the Island of Dr. Monroe stuff in this movie with him. Because that's kind of how it always was. Because he was like this dude who, you know, wants to build, you know, a perfect society. Except without instead of humans, he chose animals and, you know, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. And it's all in the movie. That's I'm like, I'm not spoiling anything. That He stays very true to that character. And, he, and James Gunn kind of just builds on it and makes it more kind of sinister. And, like really goes into um and you'll see this in the movie his his essentially his god complex where with him trying to make this perfect society mm-hmm. like what like what um what would this guy who does this kind of things try to do with you know all that and like how far is he willing to go because mm-hmm. like he he goes some places and i'm like ooh, ooh that's that's some that's some bad shit man yeah that's some really bad crap but it's also kind of interesting how like he does. I'm not. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna explore too much into this. But like, I do find it interesting that like he has a lot of uh, followers. I would say, but they're not wholehearted to his his plans. I'll say that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I was. More, I was. Gonna, I was gonna say more of like, um, could we do learn more that like, uh, yeah, he's created different types of beings throughout the galaxy mm-hmm. you know that do worship him as a god in a way 
And it is kind of interesting seeing that relationship with, uh, particularly uh, uh, with some characters. Uh, but yeah, no, um, yeah, the High Evolutionary. I I think he's just just really cool, you know. Yeah, he's a really good villain, and it's great to see uh, this character that we saw in this actor who we saw in Peacemaker for like one season come back and like essentially just steal the show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like we're not saying like that even the Guardians themselves are are bad, but like they're all really good. They like I said earlier, they all have their arcs. Uh, Peter, you know, pretty much dealing with the, you know, not having Gamora around, you know, how, what that, what does that mean? You know, clearly he's going through a lot of stuff. So that we saw in like the Christmas special, and again, like we know he's kind of slightly better, but still, you know, kind of a little, you know, sad that he lost his girl. Yeah, and that there's a different version out there that knows absolutely nothing of their relationship and doesn't really want to be a part of, you know, their whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, you know, the role that Nebula takes over, uh, the relationship with uh, Mantis. And, you know, it, it, it all comes together really well for these characters. It's pretty much puts, you know, emphasizes why they value each other so much. Because, mm-hmm. like, you, you, especially with Rocket, because this is it's essentially his movie. It's centered around his trauma, his past, especially with the High Evolutionary. And, like, you know, the stuff that he has to go through. And what Rocket kind of means to, you know, the Guardians. Because mm-hmm. a, a lot of stuff happens. And, you know, to Rocket, we can learn why it happened, what happens to him. Yes, not only from his time with the High Evolutionary. But, you know, what he, like I said, what he means to these, to these guys. Like, these guys are willing to fight for Rocket. And you understand why. Mm-hmm. And it makes you just kind of root for them. And that's what I'm saying. Like, the Guardians themselves are great, you know... Groot's amazing. Dave Bautista's Drax is great. Still funny as ever. Mantis, I feel I feel like she gets more. She gets a way better role than she did in like um, some of the other projects that she was in. Yeah. Um, Nebula, real standout, especially now that she's part of the team. And even Gamora, she's she's not part of the team, but she's still kind of like part of the team spiritually, I guess. More like uh, like this new Gamora's interactions with the group is still uh mm-hmm. like you there's a reason why she was part of this group to begin with and like you can still see it in her yeah in her interactions with uh the various members mm-hmm. obviously like you know they do the bit with like i am groot it's like why does he keep saying that it's like <laughs> it's like i don't understand this guy <laughs> mm-hmm. you know that's kind of funny <laughs> um but yeah, um, what else is there that we can we can go in and talk about? Because like everything everything about this movie is like it's it's hard to talk about anything negative for me because like I feel like it's it's well it's not being a perfect movie I would say it's still like a really like strong movie. Like I said, Rocket is the we said the same Rocket is the is the key center uh center of the character key key character. He, you know, a lot of it is centered around him and his issues and his, like, problems that he has to deal with. I would probably say it's more, I think maybe the only thing is that um, while the movie is definitely about his past and stuff, mm-hmm. um, like, we don't really, like, I guess there's not enough, I, I would say there's not enough maybe scenes with him, like, facing off the, with the high evolutionary until the very end. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess it's understandable because 
um, we do get all these flashbacks of him when he was young and, you know, with the high evolutionary. And mm-hmm. I guess you could argue, you know, like that, you know, seeing that that relationship and the just sort of like his past is probably more than enough. Um, I guess, like, if I was to say maybe one thing, there is, like, this one scene where I guess you could, like, maybe argue that's a, that looks kind of weird. Uh, it's like, um, not to, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, like, it would spoil too much, but it does involve, like, the high evolutionary, I think, testing Mm -hmm. a subject, and it just sort of, like, that just kind of, that looks a little weird. (laughs) I mean, I, I guess it's kind of hard to, like, get an effect like that to work well, but it just looks a bit off. But uh, I feel like unlike, uh, say, maybe other Marvel movies yeah, that you could argue uh, may have some spotty, like, uh, CGI, I don't think there was any of that in this movie. So, you know, that's that's a good sign. Yeah, no, a, a lot of um, the CGI in this movie looked really good. I like some of the designs of some of the creatures. It looked very, like... <laughs> Something you would like? Oh, it's like some of these uh, weird animal robot hybrid stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I won't lie. That's some stuff that looks straight out of like say Doom or whatever. You know? Yes, I kind of <laughs> like it. And like, yeah, just the high evolutionary. Hell, I mean, I think he even calls them hell spawns. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and I'm just like, does does James gonna want to do a Doom movie? I think he can pull it off. That would be I I would I'd be kind of I would kind of pay for a for a James Gunn uh, directed Doom movie. Mm-hmm. You know that that would be pretty wizard. Uh, what else is there? Yeah, because I feel like that's more or less all we have to say. Um, it's on the. This is one of our shorter uh, conversations about one of the Marvel movies, right? Yeah, I think so because I feel like it is just so much. So much that works with this movie and, like, uh, with all the characters, like, and I think it is hopefully, like, maybe a turning point uh, that I think people would like to see mm-hmm. with the Marvel movies, you know, um, because it's, like, because, like, like I said, it has everything that you, I think a Marvel fan would like and, you know, like, it excels on all the expectations, you know, like, it's a... It's a perfect end cap for the Guardians trilogy, and I think, like, you could argue it's probably one of the best movie trilogies, you know, of all time. I mean, granted, uh, you could argue, like, well, you need to watch these two Avengers movies to get understand why Gamora is the way she is at this point. It's like, I guess, but, like, at the same time, I think, like, narratively, like, the the- like thematically, I mean... Mm-hmm. Like, the themes of, like, you know, having to deal with trauma and loss and finding, uh, you know, you know this whole found family dynamic the Guardians has, you know, works. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It's, it's it like, altogether, you know, well, for one, they also explain, like, what, what these, uh, uh, what, what happens to Gamora. So, eh, you know, n- not, not that hard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> also, that, those movies made like a billion dollars. Everyone has at least seen them once. Yeah, but if, like, you're, if you're watching Marvel movies, then you're probably going to have to eventually just look at Infinity War and Endgame. You know? Yeah. Even then, again, it, it's it's a, it's a... It doesn't deteriorate what... You know, we were talking about like the relationship between these characters. Because like, it's still very much... A, there's still a much important relationship between Gamora and 
Nebula, we see that and we kind of understand that. Even if it's like, you know, not as much as there could have been, but you already know like all the context there, mm-hmm. right? This is a different Nebula than the one that Gamora is used to, and this is one where she truly feels like this is her sister. You know, it, I don't need that much of an explanation. I kind of already know that from the way they interact. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I do agree that, you know, this is probably one of the best, you know, comic book trilogy. I'm going to say comic book trilogies, you know. Okay. Um, instead of, like, general trilogies, because I, I feel like that can be up to debate, you know. Right, when right, You want right, to consider right. this as, like, three great movies, like, each one being better than the last. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I feel like there's still some people who are kind of, you know, 50-50 on, like, Volume 2. Mm. And th- I mean, I really enjoyed Volume 2. Right. But I can kind of get why some people were kind of upset about it. Uh, f- feel like it's a retread of the first one. And, like, while I disagree, it kind of, like, kinda, you know, contextualizes more on, you know, Peter's uh, abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. Which, again, we see this in, in, in this one here, too. And it makes, and again, it makes sense for me to... For him to have that, yeah. Hence why I was never really bothered by some. Because some people, I remember being so bothered by the, you know, Peter being kind of lashing out at Thanos for killing Amora. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, that makes sense considering how much this guy deals with loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he he would be the one to lash out. Yeah. Like I always say, how would you feel if the person that you love uh, was murdered and the murderers are in front of you? You would lash out on him. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what would happen, you know. And it makes sense. So, that didn't, you know, and you see that too here because, like, Peter does not want to lose anyone here, anyone he loves. Yeah. He's willing to sacrifice himself for to keep everyone alive. And, yeah. Um, now, for, here's one thing I want to say. And since this is James Gunn's last uh, Guardians movie, slash, you know, last Marvel movie, uh, without saying too much about the end, do you feel like that's a good place to end it for him? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, this movie perfectly, you know, encaps the Guardians, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, I'm not saying, like, oh, the Guardians, like, as a team are done, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, like, there's still, there's still going to be Guardians of the Galaxy stuff going on. But in terms of, like, making any more movies, I'm pretty sure they probably won't anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, uh, you know, when James Gunn was fired, like, the first time. You know, like back in the, you know, back in like a couple years ago from the, like everyone working on Guardians 3 was like, yeah, I mean, we, we're we not going to make the movie if you don't have James Gunn with it. Like, he's he's the heart and soul. Mm. You know, he's the brains. He's what makes these movies great. And, you know, shout out to the cast and crew because they were right. Absolutely. I, I do not think uh, anyone can make these Guardians, like these version of Guardians of the Galaxy. If it's not James Gunn, you know? Yeah, he has such a huge um, influence in here. And that's kind of why I'm saying that, like, considering how he has, you know, written these characters with such, like, you know, heart and love. And, you know, knowing that he will eventually take over Superman. um, Was it Superman uh, Rebirth? No. Uh, Legacy. Legacy. And, like, knowing what that, that... what he's done here with like not only just great having great emotional moments with these characters like I was saying earlier, um, but still having these moments of like oh shit, and but still having that sort of you know hopefulness. Yeah. I think I, I very much trust him to to take to carry what he's done, and 
to Superman um, because he has shown us that he can do it. He's very good with understanding these characters and writing them. And if he needs to change them, he changes them for the better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I think that's a good place to end this because I feel like we're going to be like talking in circles again. And I don't want that. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Experience, where And we're most active on Instagram. To be sure to follow us there. You'll find a link to all podcast sites. We're officially part of like our podcast, Google, Pod, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all, of, all the like. And we have a link to the YouTube, where you can put a face of the voice for all you all listeners out there. And... Yeah, be sure to like, comment, subscribe. We do have a Patreon. It's just really just there for funsies. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be the end of the episode. And like I said before, guys, we are going to be at Conopalooza May 27th to 28th doing a uh, podcast, live podcast for the podcast family up, uh, program that they're having. And we will be a part of that. We will have uh, a table set where you guys can come and check us out. Where uh, when we do our live uh, session, and hopefully you know it goes well. Mm-hmm. Hope to see you guys there. And yeah, it's been me, your boy Eli. It's been me, Joe. Oh, we didn't give our rating yet. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's the one thing we forgot. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. Just one quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah. Quick thing. Uh. Yeah. Um. This has to be like at least uh, nine out of ten for me. I would say nine point five. All right. That's the Guardians. It's a very good movie and. It, Hope you guys go watch it. Uh, let us know how you what your thoughts on it. And yeah, it's been me, your boy Eli. Me, Joe. You guys have a good one. Peace.